This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So we're talking about, uh, talking about the holidays, and the holidays is the season to give, right? It's all about generosity. We celebrate Christmas. It's all about God coming, giving his son, right, on our behalf. And so we've been discussing the generous spirit. And like I said last week, to me, this is really just a continuation of the, of the theme I've been running with for the last few months on living from the inside out. As followers of Christ who have repented and surrendered our lives to Jesus, we've been made, made a new creation, right? And as that new creation, we've talked about how we still have a soul. And the soul can be a bit selfish and materialistic, Right? Thus, not always the most generous. We talked about how we have to teach our kids. One of the first things we train them to do is to share. Because it doesn't just come natural, does it? We say, that's mine. We don't want to share, right? Generosity is something that has to be taught. We talked about how we have to starve the soul and we have to feed the spirit. Because as the new creation, we are generous people to the core. The very essence of our spirit is to be giving, is to be generous, even to the place of self-sacrifice. Why is that? Well, last week we, we started talking about how we serve a generous God. That's the first thing we have to establish is that we serve a generous God. And as such, he created us to be a generous people. As God's people, I don't think that we can be truly generous until we come to the revelation understanding that we serve a generous God. And, and the issue is, you know, I know that's easy to say, and, and we all nod our heads, yes, we serve a generous God, but I don't think much, maybe even most of the church believes that. I think that we have to come to an understanding that we serve a generous, loving, sacrificial God. And this is what we started talking about last week. And I just gave you three things, talked about how can we know that God is generous. The first thing I, we mentioned was he proves it in creation. Romans 1.20, if we look at it, tells us, that creation, I mean, people, people talk about, I want a sign. How do I know that God is real? Romans 1.20 tells us that creation is that flashing neon in-your-face sign that says there is a loving and generous creator. It tells us there in Romans 1.20 that, that creation is enough of an evidence. So much so that it says, the Bible says that mankind is without excuse simply because of creation. And we just talked about a few things, how creation displays God's power, his glory, his creativity, his beauty, his goodness, and his love. So God's proven his, proven his, his generosity in creation. Secondly, we talked about how he proved it in his sacrifice. Hebrews 12, 2 says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? We were that joy. He knew he knew that the life and the love that would be produced in us by his death, burial, and resurrection. There was nothing, no more obvious demonstration of God's generosity than the cross. Last thing I mentioned last week was he proves it through his promises. So we've repented. We've turned our lives to Christ. We've become this new creation. And there's several things we can count on. One of the big ones we touched on last week is that God will never change. We can also count on the fact that there's nothing on earth, there's nothing in heaven or hell that can separate us from his love. 
Well, he talked about how he'll be our strength and our protector. If we follow him, we can count on his provision. We can count on the abundant life, on forgiveness, healing, hope, wisdom, guidance, peace, protection. Those things are ours as his followers. What a generous God we serve. Regardless of what some people may say or think, there's no one more generous than our God, and he proves it to us every single day. And as we come to the realization of that, we realize, too, that we were created to be an extravagantly generous people. That we are to offer freely love and patience and forgiveness, time, energy, of our giftings and our talents, even our financial substance. We're to give these things cheerfully and freely to those around us. It's part of our spiritual DNA as the new creation. It's who we were created to be. So, as we mentioned last week, the issue boils down to our soul, right? The issue is our soul. Our spirit's generous. It loves to give. It lives to give. But the issue is our soul. And today I'm going to refer to the soul as our heart. Everybody say, my heart. Our heart is the issue. How many of you would say it's really refreshing to meet somebody who is truly generous? Somebody who is truly generous and full of love. Isn't that, isn't that refreshing in the day and age in which we live? I was thinking about what that kind of person looks like. Imagine the person, that person that willingly goes out of their way for you. Without, any, without you pressuring them, making them feel bad, without any manipulation, they willingly go out of their way for you. Or the person that when you speak, they stop what they're doing and they look you in the eyes and they listen. Isn't that refreshing? We don't find a whole lot of that. That person that you know that they're busy, but you recognize that they take the time for you. The person who is always ready to offer a helping hand. That person who comes along, that, uh, when, when you announce you're moving and all your friends desert you, you're going, hey, I, I'm going I'm to give you free pizza, and they're all gone, right? That person who comes in and volunteers to help. Person who recognizes what you do, and they, they send you thank you cards. person who jumps in and pays the tab for you, and maybe you're having a hard time, whatever it may be, without expecting anything in return. person who thinks of you in moments that surprise you. person who sticks with you even when you failed them and let them down. It's a generous person, right? person who doesn't ever respect anything in return. And many times won't even accept it. Not out of pride, they just don't want you to ever feel like you owe them. Isn't it refreshing to meet somebody who's truly generous? Not the person who fakes it. The person who's truly generous. How many of you would agree that we can all stand to be a little more generous with our time and our resources? And the thing is, this type of character perfectly describes our God. And... As such, this kind of character perfectly describes us as the new creation and who we are to be as well. If you look, in, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and I didn't mention it beforehand, but in your service guide, you should have a handout, a note sheet, and you can follow along on there or on the YouVersion Bible app on whatever digital device you may have. But 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to do what? To share with others. You know something I didn't think of before? I read this the other day, and I, I just thought about how we, we teach our kids to share. 
Do you realize it's exactly the same thing with our father? He's looking down at us as adults who are trying to train our children to to share, to be generous. And he looks down at us as our father is going, you need to share. You need to give what you have. And you're going, no, I, I don't have enough. Or I worked hard for that. Or I don't, you know, no. And he's going, you need to share. Come on, you need to share. It says here that he generously provides all that we need and all that we need so that we'll have everything that we need and that we'll have plenty left over to share with others. And this has always been the plan. God created us to be extravagant givers. And I was thinking about this. A generous heart honors God. It's part of our worship. It points to him. It shows him that we trust him. And it shows others the same. And it shows his love. You know, you've heard the last couple weeks, you heard this morning about the Christmas gift offering, the importance of tithes and offerings. But as we've also mentioned, the real issue of all this, what we're really talking about is the heart. We, we talk a lot about money because the Bible talks about money, but the issue, the root issue of it all is simply your heart. God is saying, where is your heart? The subtitle of this series is Cultivating a Heart of Generosity. Cultivating a Heart of Generosity. It's all about the heart. So, how do we nurture more of a generous heart? Like I say, you can follow along in your note sheet. I'm going to give you just, I'm gonna give you just four things today. I want you to think about. And so we'll go ahead and jump on in to number one. Number one, how do we nurture more of a generous heart? Number one thing we got to do is choose to deal with the selfish heart. You know, there's a lot of things in our lives that we like to ignore. We know there's things we need to do. We know there's areas in our lives that we need to deal with. And we'll even say, yeah, I I, I need to work on that. I know, I know, I know. I need to work on that. But we totally ignore them, don't we? We put them aside. And this is one of those things. How many of you would agree that we all have a little bit of selfishness in our hearts sometimes? We've got to recognize and choose to deal with the selfish heart. You know, Dad mentioned a couple weeks ago, as he was teaching on this, was talking about how, talking about how God doesn't need our money. Guys, that's a huge point to make. You know, I... We, I could stand here and say, God is the wealthiest, wealthiest being to ever exist, but that doesn't say it nearly clearly enough. God is the source of all prosperity. He's the source of everything. So why in the world would God need to create giving? Well, I think the main issue is, is to work that selfishness and greed out of our heart. You know... Many of you know that I, uh, I work on the side, and, and um, I, I have worked for some, I do work for some truly wealthy people, in a number of billionaires. And, you know, there's so many of these that I've seen, of these very, very wealthy people, I'd say over half of them, their children are a mess, because they give them everything they ever want. They don't, have to, they don't have to want for anything. They get it all. And they're truly some of the most dissatisfied people I've ever seen in my life. And they've got everything. You know, the ones that I really respect are the ones that don't give their kids handouts. The ones who teach them that they, they teach them the importance of work. 
they teach them the importance of earning things. And, you know, yes, they do have the ability to give their kids everything, but they don't do it. And they won't let them ever get into that place of feeling self-entitled to the family fortune. And I got to thinking, that's exactly the way God is with us. He doesn't want us to get to that place of feeling self-entitled. I think who often the church does it. We feel self-entitled to even the things that the Bible says and such like that. So much so that we don't even do our part. So I talked so much, you know, back, uh, I guess it was last year when I was talking about God's promises and how they're conditional. God expects us to do our part. He, we are part of, we are God's children. We're part of God's household. And just like we expect our children to pull their weight and to do their part, God wants, expects the same things of us. God creates giving to work out that selfishness and that greed in our lives. I was thinking too, he, he created giving to teach us to trust him. You know, I was reading, um, I was going back through recently through uh, Robert Morris's book, um, Blessed Life, again, uh, a few weeks ago. And he was talking about how he's given away now, you know, houses and cars. He's not saying this boastfully, just saying that he learned to trust God at whatever he said in a moment, just to immediately obey and do it. And I thought, man, wow, talk about trusting God. You know, we, I, I think we've given away one car before, but the reality is, we had a replacement for that car. We, we already you know, had multiple cars, you know what I'm saying? So literally we were just out, you know, a couple thousand bucks, you know? So that was a big step for us, but I don't even know if I would call it extravagant giving. God wants us to, he wants to teach us to trust him. I think God gave us giving so that we can learn to be a blessing to others. How many of you at some point have really been at a low place? You've really been in need and somebody came through. And they truly blessed your life. Yeah, I mean, all over the place. I mean, they came through in a moment when things were just tough. May not have been financially. May have been something else. But somebody came through and they blessed you. God wants you to be that same to others around you. We're here to be a blessing to others. God did not create giving for his sake. God created giving for our sake. We've got to deal with the selfish heart. And here's the thing. Our selfish hearts are totally good with giving. As long as we have extra and it doesn't make us feel too uncomfortable. Right? And I, I thought about that and I thought, you know, if our generosity is conditional, it's conditional on how much we have and how comfortable we feel, is that really generosity? Eh. I was thinking about it. How many of you have ever been to a fast food restaurant and you pay for your food and they hand you back like three pennies and you look at those three pennies and you see a jug next to the counter that's like, St. Jude, leave your change. And you're like, meh. And you drop your three pennies in there. Does anybody ever point you out and go, oh, they're so generous. You just didn't want to carry change in your pocket. Right? You just didn't want it clanging around. Is that truly generous? I mean, thank you for giving your three cents, right? But did it make us feel uncomfortable? Was it a sacrifice? I mean, my goodness, you even supersized the meal, right? It's nothing new. The human heart has always struggled with giving and generosity, and we were born with this issue. If we look real quick, we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 15. 
And I'm actually going to read from the Message Bible, so you guys can just follow along on, on the screen or whatever you want to do there. But it says, when you happen on someone who's in trouble or needs help among your people with whom you live, live in this land with, that God, your God, is giving you, don't look the way, uh, I'm sorry, don't look the way, the other way pretending you don't see him. Don't keep a tight grip on your purse. No, look at him. Open your purse. Lend whatever as much as he needs. Don't count the cost. Don't listen to that selfish voice saying, it's almost the seventh year, the year of all debts are canceled, and turn aside and leave your neighbor, your needy neighbor in a lurch, refusing to help him. He'll call God's attention to you and your blatant sin. Is that not kind of crazy? Let's talk about there, you know, it talks about the year of all debts are canceled. We, we've talked about that many times before in that, in ancient Israel, the seventh year was called the year of what? Year of Jubilee. And, you know, God, in, in this, he created something, he, he created this, this idea, this, it was actually a command, that every seventh year would be, the, would be the year of Jubilee. And on that seventh year, all debts were canceled. Everybody got to start over from scratch. How many of you wish we observe the year of Jubilee today? Are you like, oh. You know what? In this day and age, we would probably abuse it. On that sixth year, about December, we'd be like, oh, I need a new car and a new house. And, <laughs> right? And come January, the society would go bankrupt because we would take advantage of the system. But he's saying here, it says here, it was in verse, uh, I don't know which verse it was, it's a message Bible, but it says, don't listen to the voice saying it's almost the seventh year and turn aside. And leave your needy neighbor in a lurch. How many people think there were folks who on the sixth year when people came to them needing some help would stop and go, hmm, I don't know about that. Maybe I'll help you out in January, right, of year one. He's basically saying, don't do that. There was probably folks who had a real hard time with that. And he's saying here, don't just help your brother when it's easy. Be generous without ever expecting to get anything in return. We all have to deal with the selfish heart. It reminds me of, of, um, of Luke chapter 15 and the story of the prodigal, prodigal son. You remember when the, the older brother refused to come at his father's um, command to, to come and celebrate the return of the younger brother? Remember that? We see the older brother's heart in the way he responds. He responds to his father and says, you never gave this to me. You never gave this to me, dad. We immediately see his heart, right? And the father's response is, son, all that's mine is yours. A selfish heart blinds us to what God has already given us. It refuses to listen. It's stubborn and full of pride. And it steals the opportunity for God to be able to bless us more. You look back, you look at the older brother's response. He says, look at these many years that I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a goat that I could celebrate with my friends and make merry. You see his heart here? He's even keeping a record. He's expecting something in return, right? He's saying, look at all I've done for you. A generous heart is based in love, but a selfish heart only expects something, a return in the end. Like I said, our hearts are good with giving as long as we have extra and as long as it doesn't make us feel too uncomfortable. 
We teach that to our kids, right? I, I remember... Um, I remember years ago when Sean and I were living in Illinois, and I was, we had a youth activity on a Saturday, and I was driving around the church van and had a van load of teenagers. I'm trying to get home. And we had just had this big snow, and, um, and we stopped at this one kid's house, and he's, he's jumping out. And, and I, like I say, it's a Saturday afternoon. I said, hey, man, what you doing the rest of the day? And he goes, oh, nothing. And I, I said, well, how about this, this? He had this lady, the older lady that lived next door who was a widow, and I, I said, how much you help that lady who's out there trying to shovel her driveway of snow right quick? And he looked at me and laughed. Seriously, he laughed and goes, what am I going to get out of it? And shut the door. And I thought, wow. And we can sit there and we can shake our heads and be like, that is so sad. But we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Our selfish hearts don't want to move until we count the cost and know what the return will be in the end. Right? We don't give for a reward. Giving because you'll know you'll get it back, that's not not giving anyway, right? Giving because of the return isn't giving. You know, that's what makes it so tough. When you hear a preacher, he, he bases his appeal for giving on if you give, you'll get. You know, there is a biblical principle. Then we give, we will receive. But that is simply a benefit It's not a motive. But the direction things have gone recently in our country, you know, it's made me wonder if the day is coming when tax benefits are going to be removed from charitable giving. There's been people pushing for it for quite a number of years so that when you give to church, you get no tax benefit, no tax break from it anymore. And I've thought it's going to be interesting to see what people do if that happens. What are we giving for? What is our motive? Do we give for benefit or do we give out of obedience and love? And by the way, the best way to deal with a selfish heart is to get our focus off of ourselves and spend more time serving others, right? So, man, I need to jump on. But number one, first thing we got to do is we got to recognize and deal with the selfish heart. Secondly, number two, how appropriate a couple days after Thanksgiving, we've got to choose to be grateful. Again, we can all nod. Oh, yeah, we got to be grateful. But let me tell you, I think, you know, I, I've traveled to a lot of different countries in the world, and this is hands down the most ungrateful country that I've ever seen. And we all deal with it sometimes, don't we? We have Thanksgiving on Thursday. During this time, much of our culture focuses on two things. Gorging ourselves of food and watching football. I hope you took some time to stop and reflect on God's blessings in your life. Hopefully you took some time to realize, to stop and, and, and count the blessings and realize what a mighty God we serve and how generous he is. In Deuteronomy 15, we were just talking about how how God established the year of Jubilee. But if you go back to start at verse 1, he's talking all about it. But why does he do it? Why does he, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, why does he establish the year of Jubilee? If you go all the way down to verse 15, you kind of get it. It says, don't for a minute forget that you were once slaves in Egypt, and God, your God, redeemed you from that slave world. For that reason, this day, I command you to do this. It was all about stopping and being grateful and being thankful. 
God wanted his people to remember where they came from, what they were delivered from, and how blessed they were. You know, several times in the Old Testament, when God really came through on behalf of his people, and he would give them a great victory. And he would tell them many times after that great victory, he would tell them to go build an altar. And they would build an altar there. And there's several times the Old Testament where it says, and it stands there to this day. Why did they build an altar? Why did God do it? I believe it was simply so they would remember who their God was and what he had done in their behalf. And they would be grateful and they would continue to trust him. It was a point of reflection and thanksgiving. In, um, in Luke chapter 17, we find the place where Jesus heals the ten lepers. And in chapter 17, in verses 14 through 19, it says, When he saw them, the ten lepers, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed of leprosy, right? They were healed. Then one of them... When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? And he said to them, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's all about being grateful and being thankful. How many of you agree that that can be a difficult thing sometimes? In this society that we live in, where we have easy access to anything in a moment. How many of you have ever been at the place in your life where you truly had to stop and you had to write down the blessings in your life because you found you had slipped too far the other direction? Am I the only one that had to stop and make a list of all the things that you were grateful for in your life? Because you realized how ungrateful you'd become? Sometimes we have to make the choice to stop and to reflect and to remember. As Christians, you know, it's funny, we can be so quick to judge and condemn people. But that's only because we've forgotten what we were forgiven of. You know, the enemy, Satan, is called the accuser in the word. And... As Christians, it's not unusual for the enemy to come and try to remind us of who we used to be. He comes and tries to remind us of our shortcomings. And after a while, if we sit there and listen to it, we begin to hear a voice within ourselves that says, I haven't really changed. I'm not good enough. God can't use me. And that's simply because we've forgotten what we were forgiven of. And really what we need to do is we need to turn the accusation around and we need to turn it back into praise. How do we do that? We'll do it by allowing those moments to stir gratitude within us. Those moments where the enemy reminds us of who we were and where we came from and all that we were guilty of. This should be a moment of praise and thanksgiving before God. We look at the enemy and we say, yes, you're right. And I'm forgiven and I'm redeemed and I'm free. Right? We've got to be grateful and we've got to be thankful. We know when all you got to do is look at the Psalms and you realize that King David was all too familiar with this. In Psalms chapter 103, Psalms 103 verses 2 through 5, it says, praise the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Now recognize here firstly, David's not talking to God. He's not talking to the enemy. He's talking to himself. 
So this is one of those moments where he's writing down the blessings, okay? And he's, he's, he's speaking directly to his soul, to his heart. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with, with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many of you would agree that David went through some tough times? He went through some challenges. That brother had some hang-ups. But we look at this, and in these moments, he forced his flesh to praise God, even in the midst midst of, of, of terrible trials and bad odds and whatever it may be. He always stopped, and he remembered who his God was and all that God had done on his behalf. When it comes to being generous and giving, we got to remember that we can only give what we already have. Really, we're given what we were already given. So we should pray and we should ask God for deeper depths, deeper revelation of the depths of his love and what he's done for us. we got to come into an understanding, great understanding of God's graciousness toward us. Because really what this does is this empowers us to cultivate more of a generous heart and to give more freely and cheerfully. It doesn't matter how tough things are in your life right now. You always have things to be grateful for. By the way, I said this a few minutes ago, but being grateful honors God. And I read something recently that kind of hit me. Gratefulness prioritizes the giver rather than the gift. Gratefulness prioritizes the giver over the gift. Does that make sense? So we have got to deal with the selfish heart. We've also got to choose that we're going to be grateful. The third thing to say, how do we cultivate this, nurture this in our hearts? We've got to make the choice to be generous. So we've surrendered our lives to Jesus. We faced the selfishness in our hearts. We've chosen to be grateful for all that God has blessed us with. Once we've done these things, we'll find it much easier and much more natural to trust God and to be a blessing. As we look around, when we actually open our eyes, even in the midst of our busy lives, when we actually open our, open our eyes and look around, we find opportunities to be a blessing. We'll find them all around us. You know, we got to be sure in those moments to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and to wisdom. And he will lead us and he will show us how to express love and generosity to others. Deuteronomy 15, still in, verse, in chapter 15, we're going to go back uh, to verse 14. It says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. For what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Now, who's he talking about in there? You shall supply him liberally. Who's he talking about? If you go back and look a few verses, he's actually talking about your servant. You know, even servants were freed on the seventh year, on the year of Jubilee. It says, when that time comes and you release them from their debt or whatever it is, for whatever reason they're serving you, it says, you are to supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press. What the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. In this, he's saying you're to be generous. The word liberally, I looked it up, it actually means to be sincerely generous with your servant. In... Um, in Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, it says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. 
and he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. You realize you had these guys that were giving so much. And here comes this woman who puts in two small copper coins, and she got God's attention. You know, I was thinking about these two small copper coins. You realize how generous one of those small copper coins would have been for her? If two was all she had to live on, one would have been 50% of all she had left, right? How incredibly generous would that have been? Probably still would have gotten God's attention. But she doubled it. She dropped them both in there. That's generosity. She went all out. Like I said, you know, in the midst of all the things areas that maybe Sean and I have failed in our 22 years together is one that we were always taught and we've always done, but we've never hit this level of generosity. I want to be more generous. How about you? God wants us to go above and beyond, not just to do enough, but to be generous. Be an extravagant blessing by being an extravagant giver. Don't just do the bare minimum. Don't fear. God won't fail us, right? We'll get his attention just like the woman did. Um, if we go to in Luke chapter 6, in um, verses 30 to 36, it says, Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, don't demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you would expect to receive back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you shall be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. We've got to step outside of the box. We've got to trust God that he is who he says he is, that he will never change. And we've got to choose that we're going to be truly generous. Uh, Robert Morris said, in, in, I don't know if it was in his book or something else I remember him saying, but he said, we were born selfish, but we were born again generous. We've got to be generous, extravagantly generous, in the same way that our God is. And initially... That was all I had, but last minute I added, I added one more point in here that I thought was important. Number four, we've got to choose biblical stewardship. Remember again that we can only give what has been given to us, and God is our provider and our provision. So if he's given to us to manage, then we've got to learn to be good biblical stewards, Right? If we believe that God owns everything, including our money, including our time, including our giftings and talents, if we recognize that, then we're going to be much less tempted to hold on too tightly to what we have. We're going to be more likely to be generous. It's important that we accept that we're not owners of the things that we possess, but that we strive 
to be responsible managers, good stewards of all that God's given us. Then we can truly be a blessing to those around us. And obviously, the first thing we think of is money in that, but Ephesians 5.15 says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. That could refer to money. It could refer to anything. But he's even talking about time here. We're to be good stewards of everything that God has placed in our hands. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and I'm sorry, that's what I just read. Uh, Romans 12, 6, uh, 6 through 8 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gifting is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. God has given us many things, and we've got to learn to be good stewards of everything that he's placed in our hands and to not hold on to it too tightly because he's placed others in our lives around us who need those things. We have to cultivate a generous heart, not holding on too tightly to anything we have, but willing to bless others in a moment with the Father's love. You've got to be quick to listen and quick to obey. How many of you are one that if you think about something too long, you get nervous and you can have the ability to back out? Sometimes we just got to listen to the Lord and say, yes, God, I'll do it. And move forwardly, not overthinking, just doing exactly what he says. Um, you know, obviously in this, you know, we've, we've, been referring to, we've been referring to finances a lot. But if you don't have a plan to handle your money, how many of you can testify to the fact that your money will handle you? If you just blindly live from paycheck to paycheck, if you have a problem with spending and debt, if you've never made a budget, then it's time to make a change. God has given you all that you have, including the rain. And he expects you, everything that he's given you, he expects you to take care of it and to handle it well. He expects you to not hold on to it too tightly. And here's the reality. If we hold on greedily to what he's given us, if we don't, then we limit what he can do through us and we limit what he can do for us. If you've never been a consistent tither, you need to make a plan to become a consistent giver, a consistent tither. God wants the first of your increase. We need to just start by being obedient. We've got to step out and see what God does. You know, one of the biggest issues here is fear. Guys, fear is the opposite of faith. We can't allow fear any room in our lives. We've got to step out and be obedient. We've got to be listening and observant, ready to do whatever is needed. Whatever God calls on us to do in a moment, we've got to be ready to obey, knowing that he won't fail us. We've got to trust him. First Chronicles 29, 14, I, I ended with this last week. Everything we have comes from you, Lord. We can only give what's yours already. When we come to that realization, if we truly come to the revelation that everything we have comes from him, we're going to trust him and we're going to be generous. Amen? So with that, we are going to next week. You've gotten the cards today and we 
strongly encourage you to step out. If you've never been a tither, begin to tithe. Let me tell you, you serve a church with leaders who lead by example. I guarantee you the senior leaders in this church give the majority. They give because they've caught the revelation of this. They give of their increase. They give, they give tithes. They give offerings. They give above and beyond. Many of them are progressive givers. I encourage you. Your leadership has gotten the revelation of this. I encourage you to obey God and realize what he'll do with you through this. We also next week will be taking up the Christmas gift offering. Another opportunity to step out. Just a small step to bless others, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want you guys to take this week and prayerfully consider um, those three things. But with that, guys, the reason we're here is to give. I'm not talking about here in church. I'm talking about here on earth. If God didn't have a reason, the moment we received Jesus, he would take us on. No, we're here to give what we have to the world around us. You know, I, as I've been looking and reading and studying this I, over, over the last several weeks, I've just, like I say, Sean and I always, have always been givers, but I found myself looking for more opportunities. I, last week for the first time, I, I don't know how many of you have done this, but I, I've actually never stopped for somebody on the side of the road uh, begging. I've always kind of... Come on, I know I'm not alone. Some of us think, you know what, they're, they're probably just, they're probably, they're probably not trying to do anything. They're probably not trying to work. They're probably just, and I've heard about them scams before. There was a moment as I was meditating on this that my eyes fell on somebody as I stopped at a light, and I called them over and talked to them for a, set, for a minute until the light changed, of course. And I, I, I pulled out my money, and I blessed them and, and just talked to them for just a moment. Had a moment last week where I, uh, two weeks ago, where, where I, I, was, I was in a store and just been going through this. You know, I was in a hurry. I had some place I had to be. I was trying to hurry in this store, and there was, some, there was somebody standing in front of me who obviously wasn't feeling well. And I thought, got to do it, and stopped. Talked to the guy for a moment, prayed with him uh, for his healing, asked him, uh, you know, where he was spiritually, and, and just shared the love of Jesus with him. Guys, this is what it's about. This is about the generous heart. Every good thing that we have comes from the Father above. We've got to be willing to give to those around us. Amen. Let's stand up on our feet. Let's bow our heads as the worship team comes up. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. Because I, I just, I'm going to give the opportunity in just a minute for folks to receive Christ. But I, I want each one of us to reflect for just a moment, what is God asking you to do? Just, just focus on him. Everybody just close your eyes for just a minute. Let's just focus for a minute. We serve a generous God. And he wants to cultivate that generosity within your heart. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord, I thank you for your heart. I thank you for your heart of generosity. I thank you for your generosity toward me. You sent your son Jesus to die 
You gave everything. I thank you, Lord, that your love has filled my heart so that I too can be generous, even to the place of self-sacrifice. Today, I make a fresh commitment to serve you, to respond to you, to respond to others with generosity at all times. I follow your example. I nurture that generous heart in Jesus' name. God, we just, we just reflect for a moment on what a generous God we serve. Lord, you've been so good to us. You've been so good to us, Lord. Even when we weren't serving you, even when our heart was hard against you, you came and you died on our behalf, giving us that opportunity. Lord, you've been generous toward us giving us the opportunity to repent. You've been generous toward us, forgiving our sin. You've been generous toward us in being our healer and our provider. You've been so generous, God. Lord, today, just make this your prayer. Today, God, I ask that you would just take my heart and those hard places, Lord, that you would make them soft again. Lord, those areas of my heart that are still selfish, that are still self-seeking, those areas of my heart that I've hidden away, Lord, apply your love to those areas that it would be soft again that I could share that love and that generosity with every person I come in contact with. Lord, that we would give of our time. We wouldn't find ourselves too busy for others. We would give of our energy. We would give of our giftings. That, you would, that we would give of our resources. That without saying a word, as we walk in this earth, that people would see you. That they would truly see Jesus. There's so many out there that are so skeptical of the things of the Lord. They're so skeptical of Christianity. I pray, God, that the heart of generosity would tear down those walls. As we begin to walk in your footsteps, and be who we're called to be. With every head bowed, if that's you and you realize that you've never really surrendered your life, you've never really responded to the generosity of our God, if your heart's been hard, and you've tried to live in life on your own, you've never made him master and Lord of your life, you've never really surrendered, you've never really repented, God wants to come in. He wants to invade your life with a love beyond comprehension, with a generosity that's so extravagant that it will blow your mind. 
He won't just blow your mind. It'll change the entire direction of your life and your eternity. If that's you and you would say, I have got to get my life right with Jesus today. I'm going to respond to his generosity by laying my life down for him. I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn and I'm going to allow him to guide and direct the way. If that's you, just lift up your hand and say, I've got to get things right with Jesus today. Anybody in this place, I've got to make a change. All right, we're going to pray together. Whether you raise your hand or not, we're all going to pray together, but this is about the position of your heart. So I just want you to meditate on him for just a moment. Think about the sacrifice that was paid. Think about the great love that was poured out through his blood. The Bible says, if you mean these words with all your heart, that you become that new creation we were talking about. That you receive eternal life and you receive it today. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his generosity in coming and laying down his life for me. I recognize the great price that was paid on my behalf. I recognize the love that was poured out. So today, I lay down my life. I surrender to you. I repent of my past. I turn from my sin. And I choose to follow you. Jesus, today, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I recognize that you are who you say you are. And I thank you for giving me this chance, for giving me this opportunity. I will follow you all the days of my life. I'll be quick to listen and quick to obey. I'll be a shining beacon of your love to others. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I choose to be the hands and feet of Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord of our sin.